Dishers. Welcome to Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen, and you guys have become Dishers, dishers. Is to verb. Yes. No, it is it is a verb. Are we make, so it's if, who they are, the dishers. We are all the dishers. We are the collective. The co- we community the of dishers. We're the food hive. I like it. I think that's true, actually, because Lord knows people come to us for questions of all manners in nature. And I think they probably come to our listeners, too. Yeah, of you course. Know? Well, and then the Facebook question of the day, which I didn't do this morning, by the way, because I was late. I feel a little empty. Do you? Yes, because while I don't always see the question before I'm here, yeah. and then I hear about it on the air, <laughs> I'll, I'll confess something to you, which I know I'm going to regret, because you'll lord it over me later. I love to lord over you. Your questions are fantastic. Oh. Like, And I think, <laughs> did she just come up with this, or... Like the other one, one you had the other day about how you'll know it's an alien has invaded your body because it's something you would never actually say. Yeah. Like, I just, okay, this I is do, not how I think. But I do steal some stuff from Twitter because I Great. see, I do see things. That helps. That does. So you have to, so I don't get to lord this over you completely. But there are things that I see, like people responding massively on threads on Twitter and they're hysterical and I get lost in that stuff. And I bet, and I think, I think the dishes would think this is funny. Yeah. And so then I put it up on the dish. Page. Yeah, whoever is whoever is so smart. Yeah, I've been having like, wow, she comes up with the best questions. Well, then I sometimes even... I have duds. I have duds that people don't really answer very much. And they're kind of, I can tell they're kind of like, mm. well, that was a dud. <laughs> they're like, I don't really have anything to say on that. You know what I think we That's should okay. do? Like if a disher has a question. Yeah. Like they could submit a question that we could have as a weekly question. Yeah. If you want to send you us guys a Facebook know how to page. Reach us. Yeah. Right. Just tweet at Steph March. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Or just send us a message on the Facebook page too. Here's what I was thinking too. Like you curated your music to cook by list yeah. on Spotify, which is called the Boiling Bones, I think. Boiling Bones under Jake Larson is you have to find it through Jake Larson and then go to Boiling Bones. And it is a really great And you know what? We keep adding so it's yeah, up to it's five, a great six hundred now. Cooking list. Yeah. You know what though I just um I just unsubscribed to Spotify, so I wonder if that oh, means Yeah, you can't get it. Because I'm Spotify. not premium anymore. Oh I have no idea what that means. All right, I have to figure this out. Okay. I, you know how you finally look at your credit card statement and it's like, oh, fifteen dollars for this, six ninety nine for that, yeah, twelve ninety nine for that. I'm like, wow, I'm paying fifty dollars a month for music that I don't ever even listen to. Like, oh. how about you pick one service? And by the way, Amazon oh. might be free. Oh, you do that? Yeah, yeah. No, like we... I just the dribs and drabs of the TV stuff that you subscribe to, the oh. music stuff, the podcast stuff, the yeah. subscriptions, the New York Times cookbook. Well, and there was like, yeah, I found a, like that's how fun that I was. I was a subscriber to Audible, and I was like, I don't listen to any books, nothing on Audible, nothing. I do all my, I do all my podcasts through Spotify. Yep. And so then I was like, there's, I'm getting charged like 16 bucks a month, and so I canceled it. And then I got all this like emails saying like, you can be part of this Audible. There's like a whole like lawsuit going on or something. I don't know. Yeah, there is a lawsuit, and you get some free books apparently, eh, which yeah. I obviously don't. <laughs> that's fine yeah so just take a look at your credit card once in a while people that's the moral of the story I, that is a, a hard of little, thing to like, remember and drabs in there these days on the phones and the whole yeah because like, you just you make your to, payment and you never look there are things by the way that i realize like now i am teaching my kid things that i have honestly forgot to teach and like th- thinking things like i was like we I go we got to take a quick stop before we go you know down to dinner and he's like where are you going i'm like we got to go get tabs he goes what are tabs? <laughs> and I'm like, right, right. You don't know what tabs are. And now you have a car, so we got to teach you about tabs. And then I was teaching him about bank statements. Here's he like, so funny you bring this up about tabs. Yeah. Because I got my statement about my tabs. Yeah. And I should have just paid online 
but I was paying some bills and I had my checkbook right there. So I wrote a check and yeah. mailed it in for my tabs. Yeah. That was like literally August, October 3rd. You, Here yeah. we are. I still don't have my tabs. When are you they are due in September? October. They're going to be due at the end of October. Okay. I have a few weeks, but I'm just like, oh yeah. Why did I expect that? I never, ever, ever have mailed anything. And yeah. I've either gone online. You're than but me. I just, honestly, I just, because I drive by the office, I drive by two different service centers Almost every day. So I just kind of pop in and it takes like five minutes. As long as we're doing just the dribs and drabs of life, <laughs> so we're like, I have one more. We've got a couple things. <laughs> okay, here's another drib and drab for life. Okay. If you are wanting to fly without carrying your passport next year beginning October 2020, which I fly a lot. You do. You need a real ID. Yeah. Okay. So you would think that this is something that you just take your driver's license and maybe your passport and you can go and get. Oh, no, contraire. You literally need, and I'm maybe exaggerating a tiny, tiny bit, but not really, five different pieces of identification from like a W-2 with your name on it, a utility bill with your name on it, your passport, your driver's license, potentially your social security card, your birth certificate. I don't have that. Yeah. There's a lot of things you need, guys, because Ellie and Kurt went to do this and they were like, they had to come back twice to the house to get more things. (laughs) So before you go, look what you need, because for me, like, I don't have an original birth certificate and I don't have a social security card. Oh, yeah. We have to get one that's like notarized or whatever. You can get those at the service center. Okay, so So that's good. Look at what you need. Why are we making us go get all this stuff just to do this thing? Like it all comes from the same place. We need to comply with the world. So this is saying, but this is you. You still have to have your passport if you travel internationally. Yes. Yes. But if you have a real ID, there's some check mark you can get on it that doesn't cost you anymore that allows it to be used in Canada and Mexico so that you could go passportless. Because when you travel That's with your passport, it. it's nerve wracking. Because if you lose that, like that is a big darn deal. So inexpensive. If no, you I did see are that. I a saw traveler signs. person or you're someone that's going to be traveling. Here's one other small tip. Your passport. It expires on a certain date. If you travel to certain countries within six months of that expiration date, they will not accept your passport. Weird. So the six-month window is really too late to be getting your passport renewed. You should be getting it renewed the year of its expiration. Okay. Give yourself plenty of time for these things. Okay. This is a little tip from this the weekly This is dish. your PSA, your travel <laughs> PSA of the moment. Okay. We I have like a good it. show coming up today. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We have uh, we have a couple people uh, coming in studio. We've got some beverages to talk about, some cider, some bottled Negroni action. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the feast. I'm Stephanie's a little bit concerned. I know. I'm concerned that you put on the grid that we're going to have a discussion about Here's the feast. Here's her note. <laughs> yeah. In all caps. Isn't it too soon? Five question marks. Isn't it too soon? It's we haven't even hit. We have. We have cotton, we have candy to talk about before we even get to like feast stuff. Okay, I'm with you that we can't talk about Christmas until after the feast has passed. Okay. That's your rule. That's and my I rule. respect your rule. Okay. In practicality though, there are things about the feast that we need to be thinking about. It's a month. We We're have one entire month. Dip our toe in. One whole month. It's even feast. later this year. It's twenty eighth. Thanksgiving is on the twenty eighth. Thank you. You're so bossy. It's so late. I know. I am so no, bossy. You're gonna but you know what? Apparently, dip listen, our toe in. I've been told last weekend at the cookbook swap. Thank you, everybody who came out to that, oh, by yes. the way. That was a wonderful event. Super fun. It was so great. And I'm always astounded by people who are like, wait, what is this? What's going on? I'm like, oh my God. We Four years. And we've been talking about it for months. Anyway, 
I'm glad everybody who made it made it. And if you can't make it, I think we'll do it again next year if we can figure out a space. Um, anyway, someone told us at the cookbook swap that uh, they were like, are you the good Stephanie or the bad oh, Stephanie? I forgot about this. <laughs> we were like, and she's like, I don't know. <laughs> Which am I? Or what did you say? You were like, I was like, I don't know. I think I'm the good Stephanie, but it depends on whose point of view. Turned out you were the good Stephanie. Oh, I'm, no, I'm the bad Stephanie. But I that she, she was aligning with you. Yeah. Because she was the bad whatever Mary. Oh, she's like the bad Mary. Yeah. And so, so she even was our like, badness made me the good one. And they were two friends. And yeah. one of them had the good Stephanie and one of them had the bad Stephanie and you were the bad Stephanie that like, the which one Stephanie are you with. The question is, which Stephanie are you? Yeah, that's the Facebook that's, question today. You're right. There you go. <laughs> okay, I'll put it up there. <laughs> which Stephanie are you? Are you the good Stephanie or the bad Stephanie? And why? You and have why? to say the why. You have to say the why. Because I could be the good Stephanie or yes, the bad Stephanie. It really just depends. Oh God, this is great. And um, why? And why? Okay, we'll put that up during the break in a few minutes. Um, first of all, I want to make sure that I get this out because I took a trip down to no. Nil- you see, this oh. is the thing. What? Oh, someone's being bossy. That's not yeah, me here. There's something Just to be clear that you probably don't even know is happening. And we're gonna have feast talk, and we're gonna talk pig farming it together in that segment. Okay. So you can so warm I can't, up. I can- <laughs> that you. <laughs> Did I share that article to the page? I don't remember if I did. So I, I can no. tell you that I drove down to Nettle Valley Farm and hung out with Dana and uh, the pigs. In, uh, and in Dana s- is a pig Dana Wynn. Dana Wynn. Wynn. Whose husband is Christina <laughs> Wynn's <laughs> brother. <laughs> the only reason we're laughing is I have had a difficult time in the past with certain pronunciations and... Nugin? No, I think you said. I think you said Nugin. Yeah, I think you said because it's spelled no, N. It's G N G Y U N U E N. Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, Nugin. it's pronounced win. Win, and so that was just one of my favorite moments of all time. Anyway, went down to the farm. We'll talk, I guess, a little bit about the yes. farm because it's a wonderful experience, and um, we're going to talk about that. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break, <laughs> get ourselves together, and then we're going to talk about cider in a few minutes. Yes. Okay. So excited. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, Steph March. And we're here with Steve Haints. Is that Haints? All right. Haints. 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 France, <laughs> France, France, and France. I like it. There's a lot of Steve Stephanie versions in the studio today. Yeah, uh, Steve is with Number Twelve Cider, which he just described to me as an urban cidery, which means that you get your you are not based in a farm, as it were, but you get your apples from all over the region and also other places if you think they have good apples to make cider. Yeah, definitely. That's what we do. Uh, and, you know, the Minnesota Cider Guild is a blend. Uh, there's a few, now there's several uh, urban cideries that have emerged. We got Duluth Cider and Wild State and Minneapolis Cider Company and Urban Forage. But uh, the, re- the remainder of them are all based on orchards. This is maybe kind of a political question. I don't mean it to be, but do the orchard people feel different about the urban cideries than? people that have their own farms like do they feel like it's better or worse i don't think so you know don't I, you I think the orchard one of the things uh, uh my good friend nate at keepsake uh describes himself as a farmer yeah yeah for sure yeah, i think that's the distinction that we see people that are into the farming aspect of it uh are keeping it on the orchard and that's great and and people that 
are wanting to uh, just go with the craft of cider and depend on other farmers or, or going in the urban areas. And it's probably symbiotic because if you don't make cider with all of your own apples, you need to sell them to somebody. So it's a crop, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a crop. And, you know, I mean, for, from my perspective, uh, you know, it's breweries aren't on the farm uh, just because right. they use hops and grains. Right. And I think you can be a, a, a traditional craft cider maker, even if you're not on the farm, as long as you... Uh, know where to get good fruit and what to do with it. Yeah, I never thought about it <laughs> we in think, the same way about beer, but you're absolutely or right. Or distilleries. We talked about, 100%, you know, like they're, they're like, not they don't, will, milling yeah, their grain. They're not right. growing, they don't have a field yeah, of interesting. grain. interesting. I never thought about it like that, so I'm glad I asked that question, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so you guys are having a festival. Yeah, Minnesota Cider Guild is a nonprofit. Uh, it, it's comprised of uh, all the cider makers in the state of Minnesota. And uh, we have a couple of uh, festivals per year. Bushel to Bottle is the fall festival, kind of celebrating the the apple harvest. And this is the fourth one that we've had. It's going to occur next Saturday from 1 to 5 at Minnesota Harvest Orchard in Jordan. And it's going to be a lot of fun. All of the cideries are going to be there. They have a really nice facility. Of course, orchards in the fall in Minnesota is sort of a a tradition (laughs) for everybody, myself included. And uh, in th- in this particular case, they have a nice venue. So if the weather doesn't cooperate, but it looks like it will, if the weather doesn't cooperate, there you can be indoors. You can, you can sample all of the ciders that Minnesota has to offer, plus several uh, beers and and wines that are uh, uh, harvesting Minnesota agriculture as well. You brought a couple of ciders with you, and I was explaining that we're not technically allowed to drink things in studio, which is a little unfortunate, but. Can you just talk a little bit about some of the local ciders that you like and why you like them? Because you have a unique perspective in that you get apples from all the different uh, orchards and you're doing um, urban cidering instead of just drinking your own cider. So you probably can tell the difference in the terroir. And Yeah, uh, you know... It- there, there's so the the differences are are amazingly broad. Uh, Keepsake is a really neat, um, very traditional farm-based uh, cidery in Dundas, Minnesota, that likes to to use the wild ferment, which means they don't add a, a cultured yeast and and a lot of barreling and and using uh, a more traditional cider varieties. And and I I think their ciders are amazing. Mm-hmm. Same with milk and honey. Uh, but then you've got some. You know, some urban options like uh, Urban Forage, which has a gin botanical cider that's yeah. really delicious. Mm-hmm. They also have a sizer, if you don't know what that is. That is a, a blend of mead and cider. Mead is made from honey. Honey, yeah. Uh, if you go to Duluth Cider, they have a, a, a beautiful strawberry basil. They're kind of a, I'll call it a modern cidery. They're they're experimenting a lot of different adjuncts and, and their basil strawberries is, is really Ooh. amazing. Uh, of course, um, we have our own cidery, number 12, uh, in North Loop. We have actually 14 different ciders on tap right now. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got the the Sociable Cider Works. It's probably the most well-known. It's it's actually licensed as a brewery, but they offer graphs, which uh, are variation on cider. They use a lot of apple juice, and, and they're delicious, uh, often dry products, and a lot of people really connect with their freewheeler product. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a product here today that I, that I haven't even tried yet. It's called Scrumpy. <laughs> uh, M- Minneapolis uh, Cider uh, has released uh, something called uh, Mango Habanero. Um, I like I it. Tried. Do you like Did it? Did you yeah. try it? I do. Uh huh. 
I haven't tried that one yet. Yellow Belly, uh, I have a connection, goes way back with, with the folks up at Sapsucker Farms. Yeah. And they have their products called Where Yellow Belly. Where is that stuff? Do you it's know? It's just north. Okay. It's a little bit north. It's uh. It's in Mora. Mora. It's in the, it is, yeah. Okay. They actually have a taste. They have their own tasting room now. They, they do. Built it this year. I was going to say, I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah, and they have a CSA co-op. They grow uh, their own vegetables. And this one that they brought today, their ginger cider is really delicious. And they, uh, and they use their own ginger for that. Do you, this is, I, I keep asking you weird questions and I'm sorry, I'm just in a weird question mood, but when you, so you drink your ciders out of the can, like great. Do you ever mix ciders with anything else? Like, do you ever use them as a base, like with a spirit or do you just drink pure cider? Well, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, one, a new product we have at number 12 is an example of that. We have uh, a product that we've named Nolo and it is actually a blend of a slightly fermented apple juice with uh O to V or apple brandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's really delicious. It's uh, it's like 17% alcohol. We're licensed. We can, we can offer that kind of product under our license and, and other people, we can offer basically something blended with, with a distilled spirit made from our wines or ciders, depending on, you know, Yum. what we've used. And so do you make like an old fashioned with that or something along those well, lines? We have an anniversary party for number 12 on November 9th, where we're releasing a new product, which is, Essentially a hot toddy. Oh, we hey. Have, oh, yeah. We have a distilled spirit from our black currant cider that's going to be blended with uh, hot cider, and it's yummy. Yeah. yeah Your black currant kinda... cider is one of the things that I first, like, you know, was addicted to by it from you guys. That was like... You brought it for me. I did. I yeah. was giving it and to it everybody because I thought... Limited edition thing, I Because remember. I was... That was for Thanksgiving. I remember being like, this should be on everybody's table because it goes... To me, it was like such a nice food pairing you know if you weren't going to drink wine or if you weren't going to drink beer having that be a part of your meal was great yeah thank you well and there's a couple of other variations uh you know minneapolis cider has uh distilled some of their cider yeah they distilled they have a spirit that they've distilled from cider Mm -hmm. and it's called the royal i think or something like that Mm -hmm. is that different than like a apple like an ice wine because isn't that that based in i was going to get there too because uh we're on our uh anniversary event we're releasing our ice cider Ice cider is just like ice wine. Mm-hmm. It's made by uh, a process we call cryoconcentration, where you freeze the juice and then you thaw out just the the most uh, concentrated part of that and leave most of the water behind. It, it results in an incredibly high sugar, sort of syrupy thing. When you ferment that out, it uh, it has a relatively high alcohol, but only as high as the yeast can go. So it's it ends up being about 15% alcohol, but it's also really sweet. Yeah. And I actually had, I gave a tour a couple of days ago to a couple from Quebec. And that's, and that's a big area yeah. for ice wine. And that's ice where cider. I first yeah. had it was Montreal. Yeah. They loved our ice cider. We, we can also make something called Apple Jack, which yeah. is made by, um, which nobody's released that yet here in Minnesota. Um, but that can be made by taking the finished cider and freezing that solid in like 40 degrees below zero and then drawing off the concentrate from that, which is mostly alcohol. So Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love it. You seem like kind of a scientist guy. Is that how you describe yourself? <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, it's a, com- a combination of scientists and art and artists. You know, my, uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about cider. I love the history. You know, I, when I first read that this was, primarily what americans drank 150 years ago it, it just really piqued my it interest made sense, yeah. and and i've been trying to recreate some of those uh historical things heritage ciders and what we're going to do at this at the event next saturday too is um we're going to put a pressing demonstration on oh, using cool. a, a really 
old wooden press, yeah. that, uh, old style wooden press. So uh, that's going to be a fun thing that people could uh, could partake in when they when they come down. And uh, people can Saturday. buy tickets on site, or do you want them to buy them in advance, or both? Both, but they probably be best to get them at uh, mnsider.org. Okay, which we'll put is, a link uh, up the the website for the Minnesota Cider Guild. And there's there's two kinds of uh, tickets available. The event is from one to five next next week. the The VIP uh, period is is one to two, and the general admission will be two and thereafter. Fun, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Uh, we're talking to Steve Hans, Number Twelve Cider, Urban Cidery in, in the North, North Loop. And his anniversary event is November 9th. So you can check that out. And if you want to make the event next weekend, one to five, we'll put a link up, mnsider.org. Right. All right. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Lizzo. Hi, Lizzo. Thanks for bringing the energy Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. You know, can I just, I'm just going to give one quick shout out to that Minnesota Harvest Orchard. I sent Allie Kaplan down there yesterday with her kiddos. Oh, is that where they were? Yeah. And then yesterday, and because we did it last year, too. Last year, the kids and I, remember, I told you I broke up forever with Emma Crumbies because I will never go there again. (laughs) Because it's not a real apple orchard. It's just a dust bowl and a weird People are mean. So then, um, so then we went to Minnesota Harvest, and I was like, "This, this is an orchard. Like, there's stuff to do, and there's people hanging out, and there's pick your own, and there's a great tap room. Their cider tap room is beautiful, and there's like places to sit in a patio. It's gorgeous. I like the Amit's Orchard in the East. Yes, that's and a good I one too. Totally think there's, and in fact, I did a segment yesterday on Fox Nine with like all the orchards you can go to that have hard cider on them. I am. I I had heard that you did a segment on Fox because someone texted me and thought I was you. Of course. Um, I am just going to like. Okay, I like set. I'm always somebody's giving me the face. I don't know where we're going with this. I'm a little terrified. No, I make lists of like I need to eat more of this or I need to get out more. Like I get stuck in a rut because my husband has a very limited window of things that he likes to eat. Yeah, and I obviously like to spend time with my husband, so (laughs) that's a burger place. But like I, I really want to spend more time going to cideries. I love cider. You should. I love it. And most of them are open past. Like you know, we have this window for orchards right now, we and we're fall, all like, yeah. oh. But remember, like North Loop Number Twelve Cider open all year. Minneapolis Cider Company open all year. Yeah, and so, I liked a lot of those Minneapolis Cider Company ciders, and that room is so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's uh, let's make that our let's make a goal. Yeah. It's a goal. More ciders. More ciders. Um, you know what else is a goal for a lot of people? Dinner parties. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like my friend Sarah is like, okay, this year I'm gonna have more dinner parties. Did she say that? Yeah, she did. Okay. It was and- last year, but she did. <laughs> <laughs> and I know Sarah. Um, so let me ask you this. When you say dinner party, what does and you're a person who gives dinner parties. Yep. And this is I think the perfect discussion for the two of us because we do it so differently too. But tell me about when you say dinner party, what does that evoke for you? What are like the constructs of what a dinner party is? Um, typically 10 people or less. Okay. And actually eight is ideal in my new house, but my old house, it was 10. Uh, I cook all the food. I plan everything. I have a signature cocktail. You come. If you bring wine, that's great, but is we it don't a, drink is, your wine. Is it a seated plate? I mean, like, it's is your table set? plated dinner. And is it, is there a tablescape? 
Like, is it decorated yes. table? Yes. And it's, there's, there's. I'm not good at the tablescapes, but there's candles for sure. And there's invites, flowers. like a big invite list. Is there formal invites? You you don't do paper invites or anything? I don't do paper invites, but I either call or I'll send an email. I don't Facebook and you're not like, you don't have to reply. Okay. But it's small enough. Like, yeah. I'll just call you. And I think about who's coming. And you think about seating and you think I about. I do. And I, know I have that. like. I know certain... that because I'm not allowed to come as a single human. <laughs> it, it's. I, I'll be completely honest with you. It's hard to have single humans. It's I should do it more. You. Yes. Yeah. Like Julia gives me a rash. Same reason. Yeah. No, we both fight about it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, it's rude because you're my friend. Why can't you come just alone? But you like, think of it in terms of couples. I do. I do. And I think of it in terms of like, if I have you single person, I need to have someone else single person. And then it looks like I'm trying to set you up, which I'm usually not. No, you're not. But it just makes that work. It's weird. It's funny to me. You think in e- but you think in even numbers, totally. and you think of the structure of it all. Yes, and I apologize in advance. No, that's fine. That's not. I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on that. No, because that's but a whole Julia other thing. mentioned the same thing. She's like, yeah. "Why can't I just come over by myself?" I'm what like, is, "I don't you, know." You sort of say that I'm not enough when you say that I don't have someone else like with me to even it out. It's like I'm not enough just to hold the conversation and entertain. No, but that's, that's what it's feels like a hundred percent i can see that you would feel that way okay i'm gonna move on because i don't want to talk about this um because i want to ask you where did you get your where do you think that you the idea of like how to do a dinner party where do you think that that came from like are you what i'm asking my mother-in-law is, it was your mother-in-law okay yeah because we did not have dinner parties growing up okay we had parties yeah sometimes we had like brought parties softball parties right um, we did not entertain ever. What about like Martha Stewart or Ina Garten? Those Ina is an influence on you, but, yes. and that is clear to me. But do you feel like that that flowed from her at all a little bit? I have aspirational feelings about them. Okay. Or Allison Roman is my later, my more latest. Well, and this is the this is actually where this comes from because there's an article about. So Allison has a new book out. It's called Nothing Fancy, and it's basically about. The dinner party. And she's a writer for the New York Times. Yeah. And she's a blogger and Instagram. She's coming to Minneapolis at some point. Um, I don't know. We're try- I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get her to oh, see I if we, so. we can get her on the show. Yeah. Um, but she did an interview with Vox the other day. And Vox, uh, the website in New York, was talking about how <clears throat> this is an interesting thing. They call it millennial. The title of it is Millennials Have Dinner Parties. They just don't call them that. And like, and the sub is like many things millennials killed. The dinner party has simply adapted for the post-recession era. So they're saying, and this was a big thing. And then she was interviewed on Eater as well. They were all talking about how the dinner party was, you know, dead, and that nobody was having dinner parties. And then, and then, and of course, whenever someone says nobody does anything until we've done it, and they're from New York, I get very angry. Sure. We all know this um, because I feel like. It's like everyone is doing a lot of things all the time and we've had dinner parties and yet I was thinking about it and I'm thinking about how you have a dinner party and you were, you have this thing and it's your dinner party and it's saying, and I don't do those. I do this. Hey, you guys want to come over? I'm going to yeah. make a bunch of soup. And like, I just did that today. I called, I put a thing out there to a bunch of people saying, Hey, I'm going to burn a bunch of leaves and go walk it in the woods. And then there will be pork and soup afterwards who, you know, come on over. And I, and it's this is the idea that Alison Roman, her thing is saying that they're not really dinner parties, but they're dinner parties. Well, and I would say my niece, Sadie, who's 25, and even my daughter, Ellie, who's 21, they entertain. Like, and they hate the word entertaining, though. I don't know I mean, what they the, call the, the, it, but they people don't. come right. over, people bring things. Mm-hmm. Ellie will do dumplings. Like, Sadie's friends have a book club. 
people like bring different things, but nobody brings like a full dinner. It's all like snackies. They snacky a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, and this gathering is, and snacky. And that's what. So they're saying that the aspirational idea of what Martha Stewart and Ina Garten set out. And then I felt first I bristled because I was like. We've been having dinner parties all along and you did not invent this. But then I get it. I get it. What they're saying is that there was a whole set of a generation. And I've been to people's houses who have dinner parties where we sit at a table. There are place cards. People are set in places and you have like there's courses in a weird way and all this kind of stuff. And that was this aspirational idea of like you're kind of trying to set something up and be something. And for me. I'm not saying that I'm any better or worse. I just never had that. I never, and I think part of it is because I come from the restaurant industry. So I didn't, I didn't play like I was doing that on a nightly basis a lot. So that was, that, that was already my job. And when I wanted to have people over, for me, it was more like, let's not do that. Let's not do the thing that we do every day. So that, but the thought of it is, is what's interesting is, of course, this younger generation, your daughter and Sadie. And, you know, my kids too, they don't have, obviously, you know, the whole thing is they, most of them live in small, in apartments. They don't have homes. I was going to say part of this is like, yeah, like they the, don't Where have, they are in their lifespan yet. They don't have that stuff, right? And the, and I like dishware, you know, they don't have, like I'm planning, starting to think about Thanksgiving because I think I'm cooking it and it's getting bigger by the minute. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't have all the chairs I used to have. I don't have all the dishware I used to have. My nieces, like, they don't have that stuff. No. And that's why they're saying that is... And what I love is that it's not that it... I love the idea that, it, of course, it did adapt. It did change along with the way we eat. No one goes to these... I was thinking about it in terms of no one I know would ever... We don't even have restaurants where they go, I'm sorry, you're going to need a dinner jacket. You know, that doesn't exist, but it did. It used to be, and not so much here in the Midwest, but on the coast even. There's no, there's not as many places where... I mean, I think you might have to walk into Cipriani and wear a dinner jacket, but... The point is, is like we all evolve with the changing way that everyone evolves. And I think sharing culture, like sharing food, inviting people over to share, like everybody brings something to share is really prevalent, even in the restaurant menus. Like I I went to a place the other day and it was like, oh, we have these shrimp and there's three of them. And then we have these scallops and there's three of them. I'm just like, oh, who wants to order something that's three? Like I want a meal Oh, or I want like smaller plates literally that i could have like three small plates three of something is just like because you can't if a group of four how are you gonna split that yeah a group of two then you gotta fight over the third one it bugs me it does huh so more in terms of though i and i don't even think of dinner parties as sharing either because like i don't ask people um, and this is the thing people do say what can i bring and then you might say why don't you bring a bottle of wine why don't you bring you know, something sweet because I'm not doing dessert or whatever. But the idea of it being much looser in terms of like everyone, you know, comes, but then it's still like you're still sitting down to a table and you're still and having. And it's the same amount of work. Yeah. It's, it's the same amount of work to have a soup party. But that, I think to it's me. A, yeah. But I think it's, I think it's actually the expectation is less. Like I for think. For the guest. I think for the host too, though. And what she's saying is that. Um, you know, in this article and I'll post it because and there's points I agree with and obviously points I don't agree with, but the idea that, um, so the, the first thing was, is how dinner parties, these, these old forms of dinner parties was like a signifier of class, wealth, and sophistication because you were projecting upward. Right. And they're saying the millennials don't necessarily have anything to project to, and they're kind of not into that thing. 
But, and here's an interesting point, I thought. They were saying, somebody was countering with, you know, because she was saying, it's basically putting an effort into making something pretty, and that the biggest thing that was most important to her dinner party was a Polaroid, like camera, so that they could, like, everyone could have fun and take pictures of stuff. And this guy was like, well, that's your aspiration, is your perfection of peace. It's not about whether you made it or whether you, you know, whether it's a tablescape or it's a dish, it's a different aspiration. And it's so interesting to me. It's still showing off. It's just showing off like I'm a mess. This is what I did. It's a different kind yes. of showing up. And I thought she didn't get it. In the interview, she was sort of like, well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. And I was like, no, it's you're still showing off. It's just a different way of showing off. Yeah. And I will say like the millennial gatherings that my niece and there's always pictures and there's always posting on Instagram, but it's not of the food. Right. It's of the squad. And that's exactly that's exactly yeah. she's like, it's maybe not, but it's the the it's the event. Of I the take thing. offense for those of you listening that do not want to serve pumpkin soup in the pumpkin terrines or the little pumpkins. That is like I'm just I don't, kidding. I am so like I don't that, know. That is you... like perfect dinner party oh. aspiration. Oh yeah. To serve the yes. pumpkin soup in the hollowed out pumpkin or to have the perfect pumpkin dish like they have at Meritage. Yeah. Like to me, that just screams dinner party and I want to do that ten times. Oh my God. You know what's funny though? There's an Einegarten thing where there's a quote where she in quoted in this or another piece where she was like, Oh, I just love to have people who think they're coming over for pizza and then I surprise them with a filet with a light gorgonzola cream sauce. And I was like, Okay, that's not it. Like that's to amazing see and i and i think that that's what's interesting is like i would i don't think i would ever do that i would more likely make a giant thing of polenta and put a bunch of things and say like throw it together you, well, you know? know what happened when i had my last dinner party and i had the indian instant pot meal which was delicious but mm-hmm. i'm like who makes indian food for i mean anybody should i know but there was someone was pregnant and there was a lot of strong flavors and i was like oh this might have been a dinner party fail oh right All right, we're going to take a quick break, you guys, and then it's going to be the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, 651-641-1071, if you want to give us a call, Um, and if you want to talk about any of your dinner party fails or wins or anything about that or anything else. We'll be right back. This is The Weekly Dish, brought to you by El Burrito Mercado. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, you guys. So give us a call, 651-641-1071, and we can answer your questions or hear your opinions and all kinds of good stuff. You can also send us a note, you know, on the Twitters or on the Facebooks, and we can try to get to those. Um, Just to continue, we were saying just a little bit about this Allison Roman thing is that you were saying that she's the next, she's sort of being, you know, put out there as the next. Ina Garten, the next Martha Stewart, the next Reed Drummond. Yeah. And she, the thing is that she wants to kind of be known as not aspirational. She doesn't want, she wants to feel accessible. So she's like, she cooks. If you watch her on Instagram, you know, she cooks in her kitchen and she's wears like a pair of loop earrings and red lipstick. And that's about it. You know what I mean? Then like t-shirts and jeans. and, And her whole thing is like, it's not about, it's not about status or wealth. But yet, what my point is, is that she's sort of putting, inserting what maybe Ina and, 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 um, Martha did was they put this ideal out there that you could try to attain. Hers is like, no, we're all good. We're all fine. You can do this and that's, but she herself is the aspiration. That's, that's right. the difference. And that's how now that we are, now that we're in this Instagram world and in the social media space where Ina and, and Martha remember this, they had TV, they had books. Those were not, you know, magazine late, you know, Ina came to Instagram really late, actually. Yeah. And that's a different. And so now, I mean, that's what's interesting. Alison Roman is the inspiration. She is the aspiration. Mm -hmm. So that's what's different. And I think is kind of sort of societally interesting, if you will. 651-641-1071. If you want to ask us a question, there are a couple that have come in here, Steph. Are you ready for them? Yep. Go ahead. 
I would like you to recommend a good instant pot cookbook. Uh, this is for someone who's a busy working mom and she's not a gourmet type cook, not as in all caps. I gave her the instant pot and now I would like to get her a cookbook as a Christmas gift because there's a lot of you out there that still have not used your instant pot that still have them. <laughs> you guys crack them open. They're the best. And the way that people at the cookbook party were like, I'm scared. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do when you buy a big giant pot and then you are scared of it. I'm like, you have to get over that. Just start with hard boiled eggs. Yep. And just start, and it's not going to explode on you. It's not that kind of a thing. Nope. And then go from there to something easy. Like I've been using it to do chicken like crazy, like 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 frozen chicken. When I come home late, and I'm like, I got to I got to cook it fast. Yeah, and that's kind of my. Thing. I just made chili out of dried beans. Yeah, and it was like 40 minutes from start to finish with dried beans. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I did congee the other day. You know, and that was like I was so. Needing warmth and everything else. And, and the five-minute risotto. Five-minute risotto. It's, I mean, honestly, you can have risotto. Like, you can eat it with anything. I know. I totally made risotto the other day on the stove because I needed the smell in the air. Oh, <laughs> I needed, see? I needed my house to smell good. And I sometimes do that with just cider. Yeah. I just put cider oh, on the stove and start really, boiling you it. You boil it away. I love that. All right. So, anyway, our Instant Pot Cookbook recommendation would obviously always be Dinner in an Instant by Melissa Clark. No. Yeah, Melissa Clark. That's kind of your best. That's your best go to, I think, to give you things that are a little bit above necessarily. Uh, you know, not just it's not it's not the instant pot website. It's a little bit above, but it's not gourmet, you know, because she does eggs and she does chicken and she does, you know, beef and things like that. So I do like the instant pot website, too. I, I just say, but I had a total instant pot fail. Oh, you did? I did. And I, it was from the instant pot uh, app. Okay. They had me cook wild rice, seeded wild rice, and it was two inches to cover of water, whatever amount of rice you had, and then 40 minutes. So I get the rice, and I'm about to eat dinner, and I open the pot. I'm like, oh, wow, this is like mudge. Yeah, like there's no minutes. texture to it at all. 40 minutes seems like a lot. And I'm making like with with nuts and with raisins and I'm having it with pork. I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. 40 minutes would be what you would cook on the stove with it. So that to me is it like... It was a just giant starchy glat mess, really. Weird. So I put that in a bag because Ellie was like, oh, that would be great. Porridge. in like meatloaf yeah. or if you were going to make um, meatballs or turkey meatballs. So I was like, okay, good. I'm going to put that over there. I started again. I made it all in 20 minutes and it was perfect. Yeah, that's still a little nutty, still a little crunchy. I want that. Yeah, just not so. We have Sonia on the line. Hey, Sonia, what's going on today? What do you need? Sonia there? Yep, that's me. Um, So I, my significant is terribly allergic to onions. So I omit them from all recipes. And occasionally I'll have a recipe, especially Indian recipes, where if I omit the onions, I get the burn notice. And I'm sure it's because of the the uh, liquid that's produced when you cook down the onions. Oh. So I'm wondering, would you just put in a little bit of water, or would you recommend something that adds a certain amount of flavor, like white wine vinegar, or I don't know what? I wouldn't. I guess I would use, like, maybe a cooking sherry would be good, you know, for that kind of a thing. Um, okay. I don't know if I do vinegar, but that depends. I, I mean, use yeah. white wine ice cubes when I have wine left over because I don't really drink white wine. I just make them into ice cubes and just throw those in. Or you oh. could just use wine. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? You could or do that. Help. But I would definitely add a little bit more liquid if that's kind of what you, if that's the amount that you were using. I just, I don't put that many onions in to get that much liquid, I guess. 
Well, it's the only thing that I can figure that I'm doing different from the recipe. What are you, and is it just like you're doing chicken or you're doing something else or? Uh, the particular recipe that I really like has chicken. Um, I'm trying to remember what it, what it all has in it, but it ends up being a, a fairly thick, creamy um, sauce with the chicken. And, you know, so first you cook down. Yeah. The, the onions and the garlic and whatever and, and, and cook the chicken and then you add all the other stuff on top. Okay. Um, and that's the particular recipe. I have one or two others and that's the only thing I could figure that I'm doing differently than the rest of You know what also could work as a sub? Zucchini gives off a lot of moisture. Oh. Oh my so God, it's made of water. Trying that or yeah. also apples. If it's okay. a chicken dish with cream, like maybe it'll be too sweet if you use too many apples. But like, in place of the onions, how about a zucchini and a little bit of apple? Try that. But I would, yeah. I, or you could just put water. water. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, because the other thing is you may want to just try it the first time with just a little bit of water, you know, just to right. see a little bit more to see if that's really what's happening with your pot. Because there could be something else going on too, and then you don't want to mess the whole thing up. Right. Yeah, I, I have to be careful because it is an Indian dish, and so you don't want to take the flavors and too hard off of a direction off of that. It must be like know? a butter chicken, huh? Yeah, uh, it's not, but and I, it's close. Okay, and you end up um, putting a ton of uh, spinach in at the end. It's fantastic. Oh All yeah. Right. yeah! All right, Sonia. Good luck with that. Let us know how it goes. All right, you guys. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got the second hour. We.